So, I uh, I changed the name uh, of the podcast to uh, something that I feel is a little bit more indicative of the narrative that I'm taking this podcast. So, you know, I, I hope you like the new name. Uh, if you don't, I don't really care. But I hope I genuinely hope you do like it. So uh, let's get let's get right into this new episode. Uh, I got a I got another DM. You know I love answering the DMs on here. Uh, this is one of my favorite kinds to get actually. So this DM reads, "Do you condemn Hamas? If you can't condemn terrorists and murderers." then you really have no business speaking on this issue. So I got this DM and I thought, you know, I would take that question and apply some critical thinking. Now it would be very easy for me to condemn Hamas and be done with it. You know, there's certain there's certainly aspects of Hamas that are condemnable, uh, but just flat out condemning Hamas, I find it, it shuts down a conversation. The question, uh, do you condemn Hamas? It's a very reductive question. And at that, it's a very disingenuous question. So what it is, is like it's an attempt uh, by the asker to occupy the moral high ground. Do I condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? Should you condemn Hamas? What does it mean to, to condemn Hamas? So today we're going to have an honest conversation about Hamas. So a little history on Hamas for you. Uh, They formed in 1987 after the first Antifada as a militant splinter group. Uh, They broke away from the Muslim Brotherhood, and uh, they've controlled Gaza since 2007. Uh, They were elected by the people of Gaza, and after their election, they did oust the PA Fatah party from control in Gaza. They are designated as a terrorist group by the United States and the European Union. So we're going we're gonna to unpack that later, the meaning of it, or rather the meaninglessness of it. And uh, foremost, they are the largest Palestinian armed resistance group in the region. And they are the group that is responsible for breaking out of Gaza and mounting the offensive against Israel that we saw on October 7th. After these attacks, that iconic question kind of seems to be the starting point uh, for every interview of anybody who is pro-Palestinian on Western media, because there's this kind of like assumption uh, that advocating for Palestinians to live in freedom and security must mean that you're aligned with Hamas. And it's totally a double standard because you'll never, you'll never, ever, ever in a million years hear a Zionist or a pro-Israel pundit interviewed and immediately asked to condemn the IDF, which is a much larger, much eviler terrorist organization, or to condemn the illegal blockade of Gaza, or the occupation of the West Bank, the apartheid regime, the indiscriminate bombing, the use of white phosphorus on civilians, the, uh, the use of Palestinian children as human shields, uh, the Israeli military forbidding Palestinians from collecting fucking rainwater. Yeah, that's a true one. Look that up. That should radicalize you on its own. 
Not to mention any of the other million horrible things that the Israeli government and military regularly engages in. You'll never see them asked to denounce that. It's not a thing. It's like it's our normalized, internalized Islamophobia coming out. But the, uh, the question is, do I condemn this group? Do I denounce their actions and everything they stand for? Do I declare them my moral enemy? To which the answer is, and this might piss some people off, but no. Or at least the answer is yes, but with the most load-bearing asterisks conceivable. Because flat-out condemning Hamas and ending it there shuts down the conversation. I find it extremely reductive of the Palestinian experience to just say Hamas is terrible, they are evil, they are the bad guys, end of story. And furthermore, I find it extremely disrespectful to the innocent Israeli civilians who died on October 7th because that kind of rhetoric does not allow us to address the root cause of it and prevent it in the future. If you condemn Hamas, you need to condemn the IDF. Before I go any further, I want to say that October 7th, it was sickening to watch. There's a lot that we still don't know about what happened. Uh, Haaretz, in Israeli newspaper, report uh, came out with evidence that many of the Israeli civilians killed at the music festival may have actually been killed by indiscriminate fire from IDF helicopters. But we don't know yet. And I'm not denying uh, the atrocities. Were there atrocities on part of Hamas? I believe there were, absolutely. But the extent and character of them is still unknown. And we need to be very skeptical of what we hear from Israel. The IDF has a long, uh, consistent history of disinformation, of falsifying facts, fabricating evidence uh, in order to try and justify unjustifiable actions. You know, many of those uh, many of those falsehoods are being perpetuated in this latest uh, escalation alone. For example, you probably heard about the falsehood about 40 beheaded babies or Hamas putting a baby in an oven, all fabricated. Uh, the former was even perpetuated by Biden in a press conference, and afterward, the White House had to come out and revise his statement because he lied. He lied. But I believe there were atrocities, and atrocities are atrocities. I believe they are terrible whenever they are committed by whoever, which is precisely why, I'm, why I am a much uh, sharper critic of the IDF. The IDF commits the same atrocities as Hamas, except they are on a much higher scale, and they use U.S. and Canadian tax dollars to carry out their atrocities. To date, the IDF has killed more Palestinian civilians than Hamas has killed Israeli civilians. The IDF has a policy of using Palestinian civilians as human shields. A uh, report by Betzalem, an Israeli human rights organization, said, and I quote, Over the years, the military practiced an official policy of using Palestinians as human shields, ordering them to carry out military activities that put their lives in jeopardy. Palestinians were forced to remove suspicious objects from roads, tell other Palestinians to come out and surrender themselves, physically shield soldiers while they fired, 
and more, end quote. Furthermore, the IDF forces Israeli civilians to take part in its atrocities via Israel's mandatory civilian conscription. So it's very reductive to excuse the worst and more sustained atrocities by Israel because they are carried out by a state military and only condemn Hamas because they are, of course, air quotes, uh, a terrorist organization. You know, the... Uh, the Nazis were a state military, and Nelson Mandela, Mandela's African National Congress, they were terrorists. Uh, terrorist is often used to describe any fighting force that is underdog, you know, war of attrition, guerrilla-style tactics uh, to wage war on a much more powerful enemy, uh, regardless of motivation. So a group's designation as terrorist is it's much more indicative of their stance against the status quo and imperialism than it is descriptive of their moral character. Of course, none of this, guys, none of this is a defense of Hamas. It is more a contextualization of the idea of having to condemn a certain group and give impunity to other groups. If you condemn Hamas, then you have to condemn the much larger, much more brutal, U.S.-sponsored terrorist organization in the region, the IDF. And we should examine uh, what these groups are fighting for. Hamas wants the destruction of Israel, I won't deny that. Uh, but why wouldn't they? Israel has, from its founding, been hostile and murderous toward the Palestinian people. Its very existence as an ethnostate dispossesses Palestinians from their homes and indigenous land. And the product of Hamas's struggle would foreseeably be freedom for the Palestinian people. My high school social studies teacher said this, and I'll, I'll never forget it. The only difference between a terrorist and a freedom fighter is your perspective. But Israel is fighting for oppression, and that fact is undeniable. They say it's self-defense and they want peace, but there is no peace in apartheid. Any peace desired by an apartheid state by an occupying power is status quo, and that means slow, sustained violence against the marginalized. Israel has a policy for Gaza. They call it mowing the grass. That means periodically, inconsiderate of violence from Gaza, Israel will put on a violent display of force. They will, as a policy, unprovoked, like clockwork, level civilian infrastructure with missiles, among other attacks. You know, you look at Operation Castled, Operation Protective Edge. Israel has a policy of exerting brutal violence upon the people of Gaza as a reminder that they are powerless and they are subjugated by the Israeli state. They regard the people of Gaza as weeds that need to be maintained. It is the utmost genocidal and despicable of Israeli state policy. Mowing the grass, that is what they call it. It's a maintenance of violence. Israel keeps Gaza and its people subjugated under extreme violence, which is why, and here's the thing, I don't like playing lesser evil politics, but I feel compelled to in this lesser evil political dynamic. Hamas holds the moral high ground here. It is Hamas over the IDF, and I make no apologies for that. Of course, Saying that outright is reductive, and I would rather not, but since we've been forced to play this, like, lesser evil political game, 
Hamas is the lesser evil, 100%. And to further contextualize Hamas, we have to examine the conditions that led to their creation, their sustenance, and their psyche. And also, analysis, guys, is not justification or excuses. I can acknowledge the conditions and policies that accumulated in October 7th without justifying Hamas's actions against civilians. Before we jump into this, this is what I always say to people before we discuss Hamas in Gaza. Hamas is an army of orphans. Hamas is an army of orphans who as children were orphaned by Israeli violence, either directly or indirectly. And Gaza is a concentration camp. It is often referred to as the world's largest open-air prison, but I believe the threshold has been crossed to call Gaza a giant concentration camp. It is a small, it's a small cramped space that has fences around it. Its occupants are not convicted of a crime. Rather, they are there solely because they are Palestinian. A foreign army controls who goes in, who goes out, as well as all the food that is allowed in. At one point, Israel was calculating the calorie needs of the Palestinians in Gaza so they could allow in what was called a starvation plus diet, a starvation plus amount of food, meaning that they were purposefully kept just above starving. The depravity and the evil of that is just like, that's indescribable. And they periodically mow the grass, which we know is a genocidal policy of keeping Palestinians subjugated. It is for all intents and purposes a concentration camp. Hamas members were born in a concentration camp, later orphaned by Israel and deliberately starved by Israel. All their lives they have known nothing but shackles. They have known nothing but violence and starvation all their lives. And on October 7th, they broke out of that concentration camp and they unleashed their pain upon their oppressor. Is that uh, an excuse or justification for the atrocities? No, but you need to understand that the people of Gaza, whose population are half-children, are subjected to a pain that most of us can't conceive of. And I make no justification, but I acknowledge the facts because I don't want the atrocities of October 7th to happen again. I don't want Israel to continue to mow the lawn in Gaza. This occupation is unsustainable. I want to address the root causes of it. Because condemning and destroying Hamas at the expense of Palestinian women and children is not the answer. Israel can wipe out every single member of Hamas, but it will only be a matter of time until another armed resistance group takes their place. No humans ever in history have accepted their subjugation. As long as Israel oppresses the Palestinian people, they will resist. There is no repression without resistance. And conversely, there is no resistance without oppression. So the answer is not to bomb Gaza until it's a parking lot. It's not to mass murder and ethnically cleanse the people of Gaza. That will only radicalize more and breed more resistance. Like I said, Hamas is an army of orphans and Israel is creating a whole lot of orphans. The answer to is to dismantle the systems of oppression that Israel imposes on the Palestinian people. That is the apartheid regime, the siege of Gaza, 
racist laws like the Israeli nation state law or the right of return doctrine. Will it be easy? Fuck no. But is it the right thing and the only pathway to actual lasting peace? Yes. So do I condemn Hamas? I can look at the terrible things they do to civilians and condemn that. Say that is wrong. I condemn the IDF and the years of long circumstances imposed by Israel that created Hamas and brought them to power. But I will never condemn Palestinian resistance, nor should you. No one today would condemn the indigenous people in Canada for fighting the colonists. If indigenous Carib people bludgeoned Christopher Columbus to death, we wouldn't condemn that today. We would celebrate that shit because we like decolonization and we like violent liberation, but only in the past. You know, it's ugly decolonizing. Fighting for liberation, it's not a pretty thing. It's not perfect. So today it's an issue that many people will take both sides on. But I'm, I am tired of these disingenuous, reductive politics that have accumulated into this, this stupid question. So if anyone asks you to condemn Hamas, use the knowledge and the tools that I have given you. Hit them right back with, yes, I condemn the atrocities of Hamas, but I also condemn the IDF. The IDF are demonstrably worse when it comes to oppression and death and depravity. I condemn war crimes wherever they happen, but I support Palestinian liberation wholeheartedly. Do you condemn Hamas? Fuck that question. Long live the resistance. Free Palestine.